Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Rise podcast, where we talk about resiliency, identity, strength, and empowerment. Uh, my name is Aaliyah Miller. I'm your host. And today we have um, arguably the most important guest that this podcast will ever have, uh, because he is the reason that this podcast even exists in the first place. Um, so today we have Jeff Pilon. Uh, super excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I am well. Good afternoon. It's, is it, it's still afternoon for you, right? It's afternoon. <laughs> um, all right. So, Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I enjoy short walks anywhere and I don't like running. So that's why I do CrossFit. There we go. This is basic. Um, I, I am currently, what do I do currently? I am a CrossFit coach. I am a CrossFit box owner, past tense. Um, I am an Olympic weightlifting coach. I helped coach uh, University of Michigan weightlifting for a while. And I've coached several powerlifters for state records, female powerlifters. And I've worked at Powerhouse Gym, which was fun. And I've worked at Bally Total Fitness, which was a lot less fun. And that was more selling memberships for people who it was it was the Planet Fitness, but at a lot more money. And then um, I've Worked as a uh, adolescent substance abuse counselor for almost 10 years. I was a case manager for adolescents in Western Wayne County, which means I was a probation officer for youths for Detroit and the surrounding area. I did that for about a year. That was a tough job. A lot of other different things, but it's almost always been involved with helping people. I've been at 15, I was in long-term inpatient drug treatment for 26 months, and I've been sober since January 7th, 1991, so a little over 31 years, which is also my daughter's birthday. Um, but so when my wife, we were having a scheduled C-section, she was due a little bit later, I asked the doctor if he could pull her out on the 7th since that's my sobriety date, and he goes, yes, that is awesome, let's do that. That so, is so cool. I got to share my sobriety date with her as a birthday. Wow. That's, so that's pretty really fantastic. Cool. So that's about the coolest stuff. I mean, I married an English woman, which is super cool because she has an accent. <laughs> and both my kids are duly citizens of England and um, the U.S., which is fun. So, yeah, that's about that's about me in a nutshell. All right. Um, so... Can you talk about, um, you, you run a nonprofit, um, youth esteem services. Can you talk about that? Yes. So, um, a couple of years ago, I, I sold my portion of the CrossFit gym and recentered myself, uh, much more towards God, my family, and then basically the center out instead of outward in, which, which was super beneficial. 
um, because my identity, which is a great point, which is great to come back to, because my identity was wrapped up as a CrossFit gym owner and not as a dad, a, a husband, a son, like all those things. So um, I've always worked with adolescents. I've always worked with mindset coaching. I've been, been doing mindset coaching for 31 years. I just didn't know it was really called mindset coaching. Um, and then uh, I started really listening to Simon Sinek several years ago. And he really, one of the things he said that made a huge impact on me, he said, instead of calling it a nonprofit, which automatically is a negative connotation, he calls it a for impact. And I went, that's where I'm going to go. I want a for impact. And I thought, well, what, what do I, it's got to be with kids. And it, a lot of it has to be centered around working out and exercise and moving because I just felt better naturally when I moved and all that stuff. So my dad came up with a, with a name, Yes Foundation. So it's abbreviated, it's dot. And the tagline is, can I make a difference? Yes, we can. And I love that because um, my, my childhood, I was not good. Um, I had two loving parents who were still married, were married then. Um, my dad was, <coughs> excuse me, an active alcoholic, but functioning very, very financially. We were well off. It wasn't until I was older that I realized my folks were rich when I was growing up. I didn't, I didn't know people didn't have dance floors in their houses and pinball machines and 12 seat bars and their dad didn't come home with a brand new, like small plane once, like once in a while. Uh, because my mom was, she made me get wear hand-me-downs and go to Woolworths and like Sears and get those clothing. Cause she was like, you are not going to be arrogant and uppity. So I was like, it wasn't until I was older, I was talking about it. Somebody went, you were rich. <laughs> so I asked my folks and my parents were like, yeah, we were, um, I didn't see it. So being that I had such, such low self-esteem and even though I was always the life of the party, I was always fun and fun loving and, and laughing. I really hated pretty much everything about myself. I did not like the way I was, I was premature in my um, mom. A woman came over with rubella. So German measles when I was in utero and back in the seventies, which is how old I am. They, a lot of times, if they found out they had been exposed, they would have had an abortion because of the birth defects. So my birth defect was, I, my bone growth was always about five and a half years behind. I was premature. I was born with a heart valve issue. So I, I still have like a leaky heart now, but it's not really that bad. Um, but I was always tiny. And so my brother is about 5'11". My son's 5'11". I'm 5'5". My mom's 5'6". So that's just God's sense of humor, like whatever. Um, and so I never felt valuable as a man. I didn't like, I liked sports, but I didn't like getting hurt. I didn't want, like winning was not very big for me. Uh, making sure everybody had fun was very big for me. And it was like, even when people wouldn't play you know, 
guns right. And they would be like, you had a force field. I'd be like, okay, then we had a force field. Let's start over. It's okay. People don't like that. <laughs> like I was always like, as long as everybody's having fun, who cares? And that's where I got my self-esteem from when, when everybody was happy. Well, luckily being in long-term inpatient treatment, I became a ward of the state of Michigan. So I was in the foster system, even though I went home with different foster parents from the treatment center I was in. So I was in with about 300 different people. Um, most of the time we'd go home with boys between five and six other boys, or we'd go home with sometimes with girls once we were longer in the program because we didn't sleep in the same rooms, boys and girls and all that stuff. But I did that for 26 months, which was awesome because I, I was parented by a lot of different folks. But I also, realized my tribe was bigger than I thought it was because I I would be laughing in a room and everybody would be laughing and then I would be sitting there thinking I really just want to kill myself and none of these people even know and then I met 300 other people who felt the exact same way or thought the same way as me and I thought oh maybe I'm not a beautiful unique snowflake like maybe other people have these thoughts oh and one of the best things I learned in treatment was um Somebody said, listen, if there's a name for it, or if, if, especially if it's illegal, people have done it before. And so people have thought about it. And I was like, whoa, that's big. Okay. <laughs> and I know that's a strange freedom, but that was a lot of freedom to me. That was much more of realizing I was more connected than I thought I was. And so when I realized that's what I wanted to do, and when I realized the freedom of being okay, not being okay. And realizing, and this was before social media, this is a long time ago. Um, this is before pagers. So this is old school that people, people only showed you the best of themselves and they tried to hold it all together. And I was like, what, what I realized is that's not how I was going to live. Not only would I not stay sober, but I, I just, wasn't happy and didn't felt didn't feel freedom pretending and so instead of trying to make other people fit what i was going through i really reached out and found my tribe and then was just honest from the beginning and said here i am if if you don't like that that's okay we're just not going to hang out and it's nothing to do with being bad against you or me or whatever it's just you know um i i it was more of a selfish, if I'm going to stay alive and not cause emotional hurricanes everywhere I go, <laughs> I need to do this. And what I realized is I wanted to give that opportunity or, or work on helping people experience that for themselves. And so I, I in 1991, I became a peer counselor for the treatment center I was at. So I, I, and back then they could bill for me cause it was old school. Like they were like, Oh, you're underneath somebody fine. And that's what I went to school for my, um, I have an associates in mental health social work, which is a specific program that was longer than just a two year liberal arts. Then I had, I decided I didn't want to do social work anymore. I wanted to be into psychology. Uh, that was a fun choice. And so then I spent the next, I don't even know how many years, probably about 
five more years getting the rest of my four-year degree for um, my BS in psychology with a minor in addiction studies. And then I'm also a certified addictions and alcohol, drug and alcohol counselor from the state of Michigan. So I also have that. Then I also have my L1, my L2 from CrossFit, my CrossFit kids are, then I have my United States of America weightlifting level one cert. And when I realized from when I was, I think 19, 18 or 19, that I just wanted to help youth. And what I realized, because I would, I did not pick things up quickly, that my youth stretched into my mid-20s um, slightly later um, until I met my wife and she was, I was 27 because I was like, yeah, I need some help. Somebody's got to help me out here. God was like, yeah, this is, this is too much. We got to hook you up because good Lord, son, like you got to do something. And then the youth esteem services is during COVID, I really dove into listening to podcasts and reading every day. And um, what my heart called me to do is one of the things I liked E.T., the, the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas, is really awesome. If you want to you know, be successful as bad as you want to breathe, that guy. And from Detroit, by the way, he, he made a point, said, find your heart and your passion, figure out where the gap is and fill it. And what I am really good at is seeing people for what they really are without them necessarily having to tell me, which is why I appreciated that you let me just see you. And then I told you I saw you and you're like, okay, I guess you kind of, you kind of do see me. This is weird. Um, and I spoke to my dad, which is awesome. Cause one of the things I really wanted in my life was a relationship with my dad and he's been sober for 33 years. He got sober when I went into treatment. He, he didn't relapse like I did and have his heart stop from doing drugs and then start again and all, and be in a runaway shelter. I, yeah. I had some issues when I was younger. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, at one point my heart stopped when I was doing nitrous, it was not the best. And then I fell backwards. It's a weird sensation knowing that your heart stops. The best thing I can explain to somebody is, you know when it stops beating. Just like if you know when all of a sudden you're like, am I or like almost like a skip beat when you gotta, ooh, ooh. Well, you know when it stops. And I thought, well, this sucks, I'm dead. And I fell backwards and my heart started and I was like, man, that was horrible. And I did the drug immediately right again. Not because I wanted to die, I just didn't have the tools to deal with the amount of depression and anxiety and lack of strength, lack of identity, lack like all the lack of the rise. I did not have the rise tools and I didn't think it was going to be possible for me. So I was trying to quit. Um, luckily, God had more sense than I did. and. I, I went back into treatment and graduated and, and been had been sober ever since then. But wanting having a relationship with my dad, he said, Well, why don't you do this? Yes. Youth esteem services. I went, Well, I guess, yes, I will, because I like puns. And so I yes, I will. And 
I started meeting with um, a gentleman who was in my Bible study and all of a sudden he's 70. He said, I want it. I want you to coach me because I want to start doing CrossFit. And I said, awesome. So I started coaching him doing CrossFit. Well, he's a, he's a business manager and he does works for four impacts mostly in writing grants. <laughs> and I went, all right, that was a God might drop. I'm not mad. And that's cool. <laughs> and all these other people have, have just kind of fallen into that category of knowing where I shine is shining the light on others and letting them see their own light. Um, and realizing to do that, it's easier to start when people are younger and we're a little bit more malleable in our ideals of ourselves and you know our identity basically to then to then try to fix somebody when they're older it is much easier having done it on both sides so the youth esteem services what i liked about it is it's multifaceted it's it's so much so at first, you know, I thought, well, CrossFit kids would be the way to go. And I, I thought I had to be the one that would run the program. So I have lots of energy, as you can tell, and lots of enthusiasm. And I don't have a lot of managing of things. So I'm great at managing people. But when it comes to a lot of things, I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. I need to go somewhere else. Can somebody who's good at this do this? And what I realized, instead of trying to make myself better at all the things I'm not good at, like doing connection interviews with people about resiliency and identity and strength and empowerment, um, or doing a CrossFit kids class in Core City, Detroit, which um, this one coach who I've coached for a couple of years and known named Helen, she's going to do and we're, I'm going to help her. I just came up with that on Friday when I met with her. And, which I haven't even told you about yet. So that's why it was super exciting. Um, so that's what the Youth Esteem Services came about. Uh, and ultimately, I love seeing people even open their idea to a spark of what's possible. It, it, it Very few people have when I, one of the reasons I liked what Jill was talking about is from an early age, she has she had that, well, let's go. Let's just go. I want the challenge. I want the challenge. <laughs> I'm much more like a person who does CrossFit than a CrossFitter. And I'm, that's why I like being a good CrossFit coach because I am the person who's going to complain and look at the clock and realize, I can't believe I chose to do this for another 18 minutes. What am I thinking? And blah, blah. And then it, the rest of the time, it's a fight just to make myself get through it. And then after I go, man, this was stupid and horrible. I'll be back tomorrow. Like, so I'm a normal CrossFitter. Um, as opposed to, Ooh, look what I get to do today. We're going to do no, 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 no. I have to lie to myself and David Goggins the approach and say, Ooh, I get to do this today. <laughs> Whereas you're like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. So that seems kind of hard and scary. Maybe I'm going to tackle that first. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, there's not enough chalk to make me get to that workout, <laughs> let alone <laughs> like attack it first. And, and that's really the, the nice thing is it's, it's an entre, entrepreneur 
foundation to support entrepreneurs. That's what the idea of Youth Esteem Services is. Um, I was able to help one of these, this amazing person who had lost her arm last year and then made Wadapalooza CrossFit event and was, was the only teen out there with all of these adults who most of them have had their injury for a long time. And she had been seven months removed, maybe. Oh my God. And just, just watching how people watched her and watching how people responded to, you know what I need to be, this is where I'm going to get emotional. Responding to, I'm going to be a better person watching Emily just approach a one arm leg rope climb that she had, she learned 10 minutes before trying to do it on a stage in front of people being live streamed. And she got through the hard part of the, well, the other part of the workout, got to the rope climb and spent her time just doing it. And I was in tears, not because she wasn't succeeding air quotes. I'm air quoting, even though we're on a podcast, I have to tell people. Um, <laughs> it was because her approach never wavered. She didn't get angry. She got more determined. And that is such a foreign when it comes to working out or something for myself, that is super foreign. I do not get more emboldened. I don't get stronger and more resilient and dedicated to be like, yeah, let's kick this butt. I'm like, okay, this broke me. I can come back later if I choose to. I'm okay with that. And so I was able to, you know, experience that and share it with um, Amy Bream, who was a girl at the games with one leg. And she kept struggling and I sat there and I pulled her aside and just told her what she, you know, her, her approach to her struggle meant to me and I'm in tears and she's crying. And then her coach is named Scooter and he's a heart of a human and gives great hugs too. And it's just a crazy and all these people became friends and like, um, that's just what it is. It's all these people who everybody struggles in life and and it's hard for me to remember as a kid not being skewed by alcohol and drugs that before alcohol and drugs, I still struggled with, well, well who am I? Why, am I good enough? Other people have this and I don't have this or I'm not tall and I'm not. So I'm not like all these friends of mine just come and pick me up because I'm a little guy, but I don't want to be picked up because that doesn't make me feel good. You know, and no girls, I was always the, oh, cute friend. So no girls wanted to date me because they were all taller than me. And then seventh grade happened and they were really tall. <laughs> and I was awkward more than I am now. So it was just, it, it was a whole, it was a whole horrific, never ending, like, what is it, like quicksand pit of life and i i was i even at 15 i thought i don't want this for the rest of my life so literally one day me and my friend took i think 30 pills or something like that we didn't know what they are all mixed pills just took 30 pills and blacked out for three days and i guess i functioned somewhat i don't know um but just did stuff like that like how i ended up smoking crack is somebody had a pipe and there was crack residue in the pipe and we put weed in it. And I thought we all said, what's that white stuff in there? And I was like, Oh, it's resin. It's fine. I'll do it. And knowing resin's not white, but you know, I wasn't an idiot. 
Um, but I didn't care. I just, I, it was, I wanted to feel different and I didn't have the tools to do it in a healthy way. My parents tried the best they could. They took me to counselors, but it was, I needed 26 months of inpatient living with people who struggled the way I did to see that it was possible. Now I pray and I hope most people don't need that. And I'm well aware that most people don't need that. But everybody needs their tribe and everybody's tribe can be different. That's, that's great. That's part of the reason why I like powerlifting. That's why I like Olympic weightlifting. That's why I like bro gym sesh stuff. That's why I like CrossFit because they kind of incorporate almost everything. And it's, it's part of the reason why I still go to AA meetings is because I've been to, I've been going to my home group for over 24 years, I think, or something like that, because I have accountability. They know me, they know if I'm up, if I'm down, they will call me on my stuff. And, and as a, as you know, youth nowadays, like I have a, a 15 and a half year old and a 13 year old, my daughter, everything they hear and see is so skewed and non-realistic, not based on reality. And the reason I started the podcast in hopes, well, the reason I came to you hoping that you would start the podcast was having spent just a little bit of time with you and feeling the best way I can describe how I know you were my, my tribe is when I spoke with you, I felt at home. And <clears throat> apparently now I'm going to get emotional too. Um, <laughs> what I spent COVID doing was learning to be vulnerable in public. So when I reached out to you and said, Hey, here's an idea. I want to help my daughter. She's 13. She is past the point of listening to me. I, the ooh phase is straight up. Sometimes she will allow me to kiss her forehead if I deserve it. And I don't know what I do to or not to deserve it. Um, but she was struggling. And she and I just, the powerlessness and helplessness I felt to make her heart feel like it's going to be okay you're good enough um to be wherever she is to be at home she didn't have that and what was horrible was not being able to give that to her anymore and when you know when my kids were little i could run i could pick them up if they were struggling if they were hurt or somebody was mean, <clears throat> we could have a conversation. Well, now my opinion not only doesn't matter, it's usually wrong. And I refused to sit by and not do anything because just because I can't do it the way I'd always done it, that's where, this is where I get resilient and where I get 
<laughs> oh, hell no, we're going. Like, if it's not about me, then I'm fine. But 100%, I would die for her without even thinking about it. And me, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do 100 burpees for time. <laughs> so maybe we work on that over the next month, as opposed to like, if it's, you know what, it's going to make her smile, do, do whatever. Okay, I'm not going to think twice. And so that's, that's how I am. That's how I know I'm a good coach. That's how I know I'm a good dad is because I will show resiliency and identity and strength and empower when it comes to shining somebody else's light and lifting them up. I don't, now what's really nice is when I'm open to meeting humans like you, I can rely on you to do what you shine to do, which is how you, the way you interviewed Jill and the way it was so, you were just there, dead on, just having a conversation. It, yes, you might've had you know an, an agenda a little bit, but it wasn't really an agenda. It was you being your natural state. And cause I watched you like, if people listen to it, it's great, but I hope they watch you because you're so coachable. Like you're literally like getting closer to Jill when she's talking and you're, I can see you going, Ooh, okay. That's a good, like, I want to try that. And Oh wait, breathing. Okay. Like I saw you kind of perk up, go, <laughs> all right. Because of your desire to be better and your desire to just be that way. That's your natural state. That's your flow state. Like I love, you know, Henshaw and Bergeron and I don't know if it was Malcolm Gladwell I, or somebody else who talked about the flow state that you were in it. And that's how you know you're good. When I'm interviewing people or connecting with people, I, I just want to sit back and do what you do and just go, oh, that's so awesome. And, and it's not really professional. And so when, when I approached you and you said, I would love to do that. I would love to create a space for women to, to talk about how they get through what they all go through. And to me, you know, I, my, my son has been cool. So, um, March 20th, 2020, since then we have not missed a week of working out and he has worked out with me at least once a week, every week, even when both of us had COVID, like to the point where I had to get IV antibodies and all that stuff, we still worked out. It was definitely not my strongest workout, but we worked out. And so he's, he's dealing with things a little differently. And thank God he still listens to me. Um, I bought him a, the book called the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday. And so he's going to read that and uh, growth mindset book that we're going to do together. Out, my daughter is a little bit less like, mm, it's a book. Like, I don't want to really be in school doing books. Why are you going to give me a book? But she's also the one who learned kip or butterfly pull-ups during the open two couple years ago with me. <laughs> um, so we just do, we just click differently. And what I realized is she, you are somebody she would listen to because 
I don't know if you even gave your bio at the beginning of the first one, but that would be something I think people, the listeners would be interested in because your bio is pretty stinking fantastic. And like every time you kept telling me different things, I'm like, I'm going to have to re- literally write this stuff down and remember it. Like, what? Oh, and you just threw that extra piece in there right there. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, no big deal. And you're just like, oh, it's my normal, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> okay. Um, and so for me, my, my desire, it made sense. You clicked. And then just listening to how you were just naturally with Joe. Like, that's why when I called you and I just told you, I appreciated you because I was so grateful that you are going to take care of my daughter. And I, and I, and the people who come on after are, are going to be of service for my daughter. The hardest thing I think for people who want to help, which most people do, even if they're super type A, they usually want to help as long as it doesn't interfere with them training, but usually they're going to want to help. It's they want to help youth because they would have appreciated it or they loved it when somebody did that for them. And ultimately it's, I just hit a brain fart, but it's you being available to produce a platform. So then people can be like, if I, even if I can't see the results, it would have been awesome had somebody done this for me. So that's, it's kind of different because I'm giving her, my hopes is giving her this and this being what you're doing. It's, it's, I know it's going to affect the people who you interview, but it's also already affecting the people who listen. And then it, it's already made me cry several times. And I'm like, oh, and just super excited that a lot of these kids can listen and be like, so wait a minute, this woman who's this accomplished and this amazing still has these thoughts, still like these things still happen to them. They weren't immune from it, but they, this is what they did. It gives them, it, it, it's the potential to give people a, a toolbox, even if you don't ever see them use those tools. And, and that's my hope. And, and when, after the first interview, I knew it, she was in good hands. And so I wanted to say thank you again in public because normally I would have just interviewed you on my YouTube channel, which I started two years ago, which is cool, but this, this is how I wanted it to be. I just didn't know yet. So yes, once again, long, long winded answer. (laughs) Well, excuse me. Um, I can't say thank you enough for kind of, uh, being the, the, brain child behind this and giving me the opportunity to bring on, you know, different guests and have them tell their stories and have them, you know, hopefully provide some insight or motivation or inspiration to not only your daughter, but the community as a whole. Um, and, you know, I think it's cool that this podcast can have two very different, very tangible goals. Uh, one of which is like you were saying, you know, you're trying to find a way to better connect with your daughter, empower her, um, you know, get through to her 
in a way, in a time when like every teenage girl, she's sitting there going, ew, dad, I don't want to listen to you. I want to listen to my friends. Um, and hopefully, you know, having her hear experiences from very successful women who have maybe been through the same thing that she's experiencing at the moment and have come out the other side. Um, and as somebody who was once a teenage girl who said, ew, dad, <laughs> um, you know, I, I connect with that a lot because I went through a period of my teenage years where I, I didn't want to listen to my dad. I didn't want to listen to my parents at all. I thought that they were, you know, everything they said was dumb and they didn't know what they were talking about and times have changed since they were a kid and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I would find other things and other people to latch onto to try and, you know, get myself through whatever I was going through couple of years down the road, I make it into my, you know, early twenties and looking back, I'm like, wow, they were right the whole time. I just didn't want to listen. <laughs> um, but I was lucky that I still had other things that I could connect to and, um, and try to learn from and grow from that. Even when I was in a time where I wasn't wanting to listen to my parents, <laughs> uh, I still had people to help guide me in the right direction. Yes. And so the fact that hopefully that's what this podcast will be for your daughter, I can't explain how much that means to me uh, to be able to provide that for her. And then at the same time, not just your daughter, there's an entire community, an entire world of people who could be Over going, 50%. <laughs> going through the very same thing and hopefully using this platform as a way to um, provide that connection for them to say, hey, I'm not alone. You know, there are other people who are going through this or who have been through this and have come out on the other side and there's hope for me and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just need to get there. So thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. I am so grateful. Me too. And I hope the listeners are grateful as well. I hope this podcast continues to grow. Um, I think it could be something really cool. And I think we can get it there. <laughs> yes. So um, going back to your daughter, can you just, can you just tell us a little bit about your daughter? And Yeah. So she's, she, so the best way I can describe her, which is one of my favorites, we, she was like two something years old. She'd already been potty trained, but she had a diaper on. We were at her house. She did something. I put her in timeout. She knocks on the door and says, Dad, I pooped. And I'm thinking, she has a diaper on. Why would... So I opened the door. She pooped on the floor. <laughs> and I said, did you take your diaper off and poop on the floor because I put you in timeout? And she went, yep. I literally shut the door called my wife. I said, you need to come home. This is what happened. I don't know what to do. She's in hysterics laughing. And I'm like, I'm not joking. I just lost. And she's like two. Um, but she, she's just, she's so caring and smart and independent and such amazing qualities that just like anything, it's like a fire. If a fire is not in the right container, it's going everywhere. If a fire is in the right container, you can use it to heat a house, to 
move a train to, you know, melt steel. You can all kinds of amazing things. And now that she's more worried about how her friends think and this and that, and it, it it's, it's really tough because I miss, I miss daddy daughter dances. I miss being, being that, I don't even know what it is, but being that person that, that she can go to mainly because a lot of the time I did a lot of, my identity was wrapped up in being a gym owner. And so really the only time I saw her was when she would come to the gym, when, when my wife would bring her to the gym. So we had great times and all that stuff. And now I look back and she, she doesn't usually just want to play. Right. And so we'd just play. We, I just saw a video from four years ago. She was take going from ring to ring to ring across the whole gym and just for fun. And she was just having a great time. And I, and now it's, Hey, take me shopping, but don't be near me while I shop. And I'm like, ah, like out of the, my wife and I, I'm the one that shops anyway. So, um, but my, my biggest encouragement is even when she does something wrong, she comes back she is her she takes a little bit longer to come back than i do but which is much more like her mom liking that but she when she comes back she says she's very good about because i always apologize but i didn't just say i'm sorry i explained listen this is why i'm sorry i did this it's not how i felt towards you i'm still fallible and this and that she apologizes very much like that and so it her heart is wonderful but she's like i watch her get bombarded with all the negativity of not just COVID, but teenage girls. And then all of a sudden she couldn't go to school for a year and a half. And then she, when she does, she can't interact with other kids and you have to stay apart. I mean, it's just, oh my goodness. And now people struggle to like have conversations. Like they'll literally, it's a joke, but they'll text each other across the room from each other or right next to each other. And that's how they're talking. And her one of her best things is best qualities is that she sees people so one of the things that she does is after school she walks over to the elementary school and she helps first and second grade kids who struggle if they're good she they get to spend time with her like five ten minutes with her like she's a reward system for kids to do good and and try to work on having good days I could not ask to be more proud. And one of the things that I like is um, I've tried to instill in her because she's naturally good at every sport she tries. She was the fastest kid in flag football, even of the boys. Is I'm when she just has effort and she tries, that's what makes me happy. That's awesome. Because I, I don't have a preordained idea of what I want her to do in life. I want her to be. I want her to feel comfortable and at home in her skin where she is. So, but yeah, she's she's my little goober because the first time I saw her, she was the size of a goober pea. <laughs> I love that. Well, um, that is the inspiration behind this podcast. She's the reason this podcast exists. So um, 
She might not listen, but give her a big thank you from me. <laughs> she listened to the first one. Uh, that makes me very happy. And I hope she continues to listen to the rest. And if you're listening right now, thank you. Um, <laughs> and don't hate your dad for telling the story about how you pooped on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. That's, I usually lead with that story. It's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, thank you. I mean, that is incredible inspiration to be the driving force behind this podcast. And it just makes me so happy to be part of this and to be part of her story and your story. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so before we wrap it up, um, I just, I have one question that I'd like to ask you. Um, could you explain or define what rise means to you? So the resiliency portion is getting up every time we go down. The identity portion is knowing my why I get up. So for me, my, my why is I constantly want to be better human. So I do want to be better especially I want to be a better child of God, but I really want to be a better husband, a better father, better son to my parents, a better friend, um, a better coach. And then it goes down the list. But as you notice, my prowess with physical activity is underneath all those <laughs> because I'm much more type B personality and really want others to get better. Um, but that's where that identity is. My identity comes from, you know, I, I have a higher power and I have a relationship with a higher power. And because I do, I was able to stay sober. Because I'm able to stay sober, I was able to get married, which meant I have family and my folks like me now. And my I help my dad stay sober and he's helped me. And so it's, it's amazing. So the identity is my why I get up from the resiliency. The strength portion is what tools do I have to be able to get up? All the stuff I've learned, all the stuff I gleaned, like when I was listening to the podcast of you and Jill, and she was talking about breath work and really just almost like, okay, be where this is, be here for a second. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. Those tools are huge for me because I don't get the choice of when life happens to me. And that would be wonderful if, if I said, oh, all right, I've been preparing. It's just like with the open or quarterfinals. At least they tell you there's going to be a bench somewhere. That's not how life really is. Life is like you don't know what's coming, but everything's on the table. So we have to have, we have, to have tools for everything. Like that's a lot of everything. And then the empowerment is sharing it. It's not just for me to have because I don't. I don't feel whole if I'm not connected to others. I just don't. And that's really what the rise means to me. That's all, And it's funny because somebody told me those qualities. And then when I told, I said, well, this is kind of what I was thinking. And you were very quickly sent me back. Yeah, it's called rise. This is what we're doing. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, thank you. 
So it was yours, yours, but that that's what my idea was, but you put it into words really concise and really quickly. So <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, good choice, Jeff, I guess. Uh, yeah, good, yeah. Um, and then I get to get out of your way and just be like, hey, do you want to be on with this awesome woman? Everybody's like, yeah. And then I forgot, actually, you, you were, because I was coaching and you were like, hey, I'll see you in 25 minutes. And I went, oh, man, that's me. So... <laughs> Yeah, does that answer that question? Yeah, that does. And I, I really like um, how you were able to kind of tie it all into one story of like, you know, you fall and you get back up. Getting back up is resiliency. Why you get up is your identity. The tools you have to get up is your strength and sharing those tools with everybody else is your empowerment. And I, I really like that. That's very concise, very um, easy to digest and and uh yeah i like it a lot thank, thank you. you well you you came up with it so uh <laughs> thank you um okay so we're gonna wrap it up but as you know we end every episode with your favorite part my favorite part <laughs> all right jeff tell me your best dad joke okay did you hear about the guy getting hit by the same bike every day day after day no. Yeah, it was a vicious cycle. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I know. I had to have my wife send it to me so I didn't mess it up because I always mess it up somehow. I'm like, you know, the bike one, you know, the bike one. That was good. Yeah, she shakes her head. And actually, my daughter's the one who told me that one. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on and um, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, it's a very moving story and um, I really appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share that with the world. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>